This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 54. I'm Grant, and I'm joined by Toby. What's up, buddy? Nothing much. Good to see the boys battling it out this weekend, and... The bats came to life on Friday night, made for quite an interesting one, but it was a fun series to enjoy watching. Wish you would have finished off the sw- the sweep, but it was a fun series. Yeah, they get back-to-back games, the 12-10 to win on Game 1 on Friday, and then a 4-2 win in Game 2 on Saturday, but they can't finish off the sweep. We could pick up with the conversation on Sunday. They had opportunities to extend the lead. I know everyone will make this a Chad Cool story, and we can get into Cool in a moment. But you had the bases loaded right before he came into the game. Couldn't scratch across the number one. Some squandered opportunities with runners in scoring position. And, you know, look, Luis Garcia, who was hitting the ball hard, goes 0 for 5. Top of your order in that game. Lane Thomas, Lugo, and Joey Manessis were a combined 1 for 13. You score just two runs. Typically, you're going to lose the game. So I think there's some blame to go around. But it still feels worse. When your ace pitcher, your youngster who's been desperate for a quality dominant outing delivers a masterpiece and then the bullpen comes in and blows it when you've got a one run lead going into the eighth inning. Yeah, you'd like to see the offense do a little bit more of what it did on Saturday and Friday. I mean, obviously, Friday they exploded Saturday. They came out in the sixth inning, put on some runs. And for whatever reason, yesterday, they just couldn't put across any more runs. Mackenzie Gore was impressive yesterday. They really needed some length out of their starting pitcher with how the bullpen had been depleted. And then Josiah Gray had struggled a little bit on Saturday, so they had to use the bullpen earlier than they would have liked on Saturday. And so yesterday, Mackenzie Gore comes out. He really had a lot riding on his start, and he goes seven strong, has a career high in strikeouts, and he looked dominant outside of giving up the solo homer. Looked really, really good. His fastball was just blowing away hitters. And then on top of that, his breaking stuff was sharp. That's the kind of start that you needed to see out of Mackenzie Gore coming off of some struggling outings. A guy that truly has ace potential. He showed it. It's disappointing that it didn't end up coming in a win. He didn't get anything for it. No decision. But ultimately, I think that's the thing you can build off here. But they do get the series win. You would have liked to have seen the sweep. The bullpen... You know, this is something we'll get into a little bit later, but we're acting like sometimes Davey is not turning to prime Mariano Rivera in the bullpen and acting like Davey's making all the wrong decisions and Davey's done all this. And it's he's doing the best that he can. Obviously, you'd like to see Chad Cool come into that situation and maybe come through, but he's kind of dealing with the cards that he's been dealt and... I don't know. I mean, Chad Cool had just gotten you out of a jam on on Friday night and done well for you. So give him another shot. Maybe you don't want to see him come out in the ninth there and give up the lead and lose on a walk off. But that's kind of just where you're at right now with the Nationals. Would have liked to see the first sweep since, what, June of 2021. But I think overall a good series for the boys. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things before we get specifically into the bullpen on Mackenzie Gore. The one thing I have no patience for, and I'm not saying everybody's doing this, but I think some people tend to nationally, is to belittle a start like this when it's against a team like the Kansas City Royals. Like, oh, yeah, you had seven innings and 11 strikeouts and three hits, but it was just the Royals, dot, dot. 
Well, here's the thing. Number one, the Nationals are just the Royals, right? Theoretically, you know, they're in the same bucket. I know they are better, and we saw that in this series, and the records prove that. But that's what they were supposed to have been. That's number one. Number two, on Mackenzie Gore kind of specifically, um, that, that's one of the three or five best, maybe even top two or three, starts against the Royals this season in like 50 games. Like just because you play a bad team doesn't mean you get to go strike out 11 over seven innings, right? How often do we see teams like Kansas City either win games or crush the ball or score a bunch of runs? I mean, these are big leaguers. And if you're missing with location, if you're missing in the fat part of the plate, you're going to get hit really, really hard. Uh, he was phenomenal. Like this was the kind of outing where if you're taking on fill in the blank team, the Rays or the Dodgers in, in this series starting now that he won't pitch in or anybody else, like you would shove in that game. 23 swings and misses, a career high for him. 23 swings and misses in this game to go along with 11 strikeouts for Mackenzie Gore. Pretty impressive. And the seven innings and just the three hits, as you said, like we've been really looking forward to one of these. We've wanted one of these starts for a while. Uh, he needed it. And he got it. And I thought it was just another sign indicative of him being an ace caliber pitcher and having a chance to be, you know, the front of the rotation horse that we want him to be. Well, and real quick, adding on to that, I think we saw him take a step forward in this start because what he did was the Royals couldn't hit his fastball. They just couldn't. And he just kept throwing it. He said, if you can't hit the fastball, I'm going to keep throwing it. I'm going to prove that I'm better than you. My stuff is just too good for you to handle right now kept throwing the fastball, and then sometimes he get to do strikes, break off a curveball, break off a slider. But for the most part, he just realized, my stuff is better than what these hitters can handle, and I'm going to stick to it. And to be honest with you, you can bring up that he faced the Royals. He can do that with a lot of guys, and I think maybe that gives him the confidence to try that and it starts going forward. Like, look, if they can't hit the fastball, I'm just going to keep throwing the fastball by him. Yeah, and he was able to, and it's just... Look, this is what he is at his best. There are other pitchers in this rotation that we like. Josiah Gray looks like a mid-rotation starter. You know, There are prospects we like. I'm not sure any of them have a ceiling to consistently do what Mackenzie Gore did in this start. So, worth pointing out. Now, let's get to the bullpen. Most recently, Chad Cool blows the game. You go back a series ago at home, and it was Hunter Harvey who blew what could have been and maybe should have been a win in a game at Nationals Park. Uh, in the ninth inning against the Padres, down to the final out. We talked about that on a recent podcast. To your point on Davey, do I think Davey's one of the better in-game managers in the game? No, absolutely not. Do I routinely think that his bullpen management is lackluster? Yes, I, I probably do. However, you are as good as the relieving options that you have, Tobe. And like yeah. people, to your point about, I like what you said about like Mariano Rivera. But people act like he's just got seven A options and he picks the wrong guys all the time. They have right now at this moment, okay, I, I would put Hunter Harvey, who's blown a couple games, by the way, uh, and Kyle Finnegan, who has blown a couple games, by the way, as their elite A-level relievers. Do you agree with that so far? Yeah. Yep. Okay. You can't pitch those guys every day. Like they need, you need to be off of them at times. You need to rest at times. Uh, if, if you're those two pitchers and if you were in a winning situation where you're vying for a division title or whatever, you'd obviously be desperate for bullpen help right now. And that's what Mike Rizzo would add at the deadline, but you could even push Hunter Harvey a little bit, maybe risk, you know, using him 
um, on, on three straight games every now and then or three out of four or whatever. But it's not worth it right now. Like the, the, the end game right now is not to make the playoffs. So even my, my point is just whatever your normal standard for like uh, the, the, the redlining your relievers with the gas pedal in a season where like let's say you're in um, the Orioles or the Rays or the Dodgers or the, one of these competitive teams, like you're going to not redline at the same RPMs right now. It's, it's, it's even lesser in terms of usage and when you're going to start worrying about overworking a guy because you're, you're trying to make sure that Hunter Harvey's arm is at its best when you are winning in a year or two, right? And so I would say the same about Finnegan. So I only say that to set up that you're not going to use those guys as much as even you would if you were competitive, let alone every single day, all right? So those A guys, you're staying off of occasionally. Now there's like a B version of the bullpen as well, and they're looking for a third guy, and they haven't really had it, but Carl Edwards Jr., who's been scoreless in six of his last seven outings, did give up a couple runs in a game out in Kansas City at Kauffman Stadium. I would say is like their third best, third most reliable, like post seventh inning reliever. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yep. Edwards, they had to stay off of because he had thrown in back-to-back games on the 26th and the 27th. So now you go to who's next on your depth chart. I'm thinking Mason Thompson maybe, but who else? It's got to be Mason Thompson, yeah. All right, so Thompson would be like reliever number uh four then mason thompson had thrown in well that that would have been three out of four days which you are trying to avoid with these young arms as best as you can he'd thrown two of the previous three games and while he's thrown better here of late and he's not giving up runs it still hasn't been pretty it's at least one if not a couple base runners more often than not when he pitches but even still he's 25 he got overworked early in the year we saw what that did do you really want to go three out of four days to Mason Thompson to finish that game. All right, so now you've worked your way through your top four relievers. After that, what else do you have? Erasmo Ramirez, who was their org pitcher of the year, sadly, last year, has been getting rocked. Thaddeus Ward, you can't really trust to throw strikes. You know, Chad Cool, when we saw him, the other game that he pitched in out of the bullpen at Nats Park, actually threw the ball okay. I guess my point is, like, you have to use who's on your roster. And and the one big issue they have right now is that Thaddeus Ward, as a Rule 5 pick, has to be in the big leagues because they clearly don't trust him. Like, he has thrown one time since May 19th. It was on May 25th. He had an inning with a walk. So for some reason, though, they have, like, avoided him like the plague in high-leverage situations. So I guess the one thing you could say, Toby, is they should have or could have gone to Thaddeus Ward over Chad Cool. But Cool's a veteran out of the bullpen. He's 95, 96. Like, I'm not saying he's good. I'm not saying I trust him. When he came in with a one-run lead, I fully expected that he was going to blow the game. But it, I don't necessarily view it like I normally would where I'm beating up the manager because my point is they don't have a good bullpen. Yeah. And on top of that, they have three or four options, none of whom were available. So it's a bad bullpen you're starting from in terms of depth, I should say. They got a couple good arms. But a, a, like a, a, a paper-thin bullpen that has really no ability to get anything out of the top few guys. Like, what is he supposed to do in that situation? And if your, your point is anybody but cool, go to Erasmo, who's been terrible. Go to Thaddeus Ward. I guess that is an argument. But, like, I don't know, man. I, I just think it's, it's the movie Argo, if anybody saw it. And they named this plan Argo. It was the best of a bunch of bad ideas. Like, that's what you're doing at the end of the bullpen on days where it's not 
the Harvey Finnegan Edwards trio. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, if you're not going to Harvey every single day, which they did for a little while, that's not going to work. You can't just pitch those guys every single night. You can't pitch them four and five times every single week. Same thing with Finnegan, same thing with Edwards. And then once you get past that, Mason Thompson's really struggled since he got overused early in the season. So what are they going to do? Continue to overuse him? You don't want to put him in a bad spot again. I mean, the only thing you could say right now with Davey is, Maybe you'd like to see other guys just get a chance. You mentioned Thaddeus Ward. Look, he hasn't got a whole lot of opportunities. If you look at his numbers, you don't think that he's going to be great in high leverage situations. But if Finnegan and Harvey are down and you're not able to use a guy like Carl Edwards as well or Thompson and you got other options, maybe try Thaddeus Ward and something like that. And look, chances are he's probably going to give up some runs. They're going to crucify Davey the next day. That's just the nature of the job. And I think Davey understands that. But people need to understand what this season is at this point. This season isn't a World Series season. This isn't a season where they're contending even to get in the wild card. I know they can look up right now, and they're only a couple games back of a wild card spot. But let's be honest with this baseball team. They're playing good baseball. They've been fun to watch. But it's about development. You know, it's about development with Gore, Gray. And I think it's the same thing with some of these bullpen arms is – getting these guys in situations, seeing how they do, seeing if they're a part of the future of this baseball team, seeing if maybe they're a trade chip at the deadline, and just seeing what you can do. You'd like to see them come through every single time. But let's be honest here. You're not trotting out Tyler Clippert and Drew Storen of the past where you had high expectations when they came in the game or a Sean Doolittle. Those aren't the guys that you're trotting out there. You're trotting out Kyle Finnegan, Hunter Harvey, guys that have – you know, Harvey flamed out with a team before and had injury concerns. Finnegan, he, he's probably not a big league closer on any other ball club right now. So that's just the, the reality of where this team is at. So if we lower the expectations a little bit on this bullpen, you'd like to win every game you're in. I get that. But let's be a little bit more honest of where we're at. Continue to evaluate these guys and give them a chance and don't just crucify them every time they struggle or give up a run or give up a lead. Yeah, and look, I am a guy who has no problem with fans like managing along with the manager and questioning a skipper. I think that's part of baseball. I think it's what makes the game so fun, to be honest with you. Like, I, I got a lot of heat, I remember, because I used to think a lot of the things that Dusty Baker did made no sense. Uh, I just I, I thought he was the best manager on the planet for 21 hours a day, and then the game started, and, and he would – you know, over the three hours of the game, do a lot of things that just frustrated me. Most notably, his lineup construction was always uh, horrendous because he would bat his best hitter at the time sixth, and it's just egregious. And so there were a lot of things that annoyed me. I guess to your point, though, what I would say is remember what this year is. Like sometimes I think we're forgetting, A, the quality of some of the players we're talking about. Like you can't be as mad about bullpen usage now in 2023 when you're deciding, do I go with Thaddeus Ward or Erasmo Ramirez or Chad Cool as you were when it was like Doolittle versus Madsen versus, uh, you know, Rainey or whatever? Like, this is not a 94 win team. This is not about the playoffs. Uh, this, this is about like Harvey's arm being healthy and good in, in a couple of weeks was more important yesterday than protecting that one run lead. And I know that's hard to hear, right? But that's a reality. Uh, and I would say the same about Finnegan and, 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 you know, I wouldn't say the same about all those guys, sadly, but they're not a part of the long-term future. But remember the other part of, of this conversation is that Chad cool had thrown pretty well. 
Now, we all knew this was coming. It's not like he's going to be some lights-out reliever that you just found. Like, the stuff isn't going to play that way. But for two appearances, the San Diego game at home, and then the first game he pitched in in this Royals series, he had pitched two and one in a two-third innings, and he, and he had looked like a quality reliever, punching a couple guys out. And, and I think Davey was trying to see, okay, let's see if we can keep this going. Maybe we found a, a, a multi-inning Craig Stammen type. You know, maybe we found a guy that can bridge a couple frames and, and give us a little length, which we need right now in the bullpen. Maybe that was his logic. And so after the two innings of one hit ball where he struck out two against the Padres and the one and two third innings with two punchies against the Royals, a couple days later, they come back to the well and, and he gives up, you know, the, the lead and eventually the game. It should be noted by the way, that the run that scored was unearned because if not for a misplay by Dom Smith, then, you know, that they don't score that run. Uh, he gave up the, the home run to tie it, but the game-winning run in the ninth scored because of an error. And I know you've been speaking of, of your frustrations with kind of how angry and vitriolic people have been about this team at 23 and 30. You've been a little bit, uh, I don't know if the right word, Tobe, is like flummoxed or annoyed or peeved with how people have kind of like just made Dominic Smith a, a whipping boy of sorts and everything he does they hate when he's actually been outstanding defensively and he's kind of been what I expected him to be offensively. Like, I don't know what people thought he was going to be, but he's never really hit for power. I mean, he hit 194 in the big leagues last year. He's hitting a hundred points better than that. He's hitting 30 points over his career average. His career uh, OPS is, is higher than he is right now, 727. So maybe he's missing a little bit of slug, but for the most part, He's been the same guy they they went and got, and people are are livid. Like, why are you mad at him? Be, be mad at where they're at as a bigger process if you, if you if you don't like that. Yeah, I mean the thing with Dominic Smith, and I see people all the time like, oh man, I don't want to see this guy again. I don't want to see him on my baseball team. You're discounting what he has done for this baseball team. He's been fantastic on the infield. I know there have been two plays you can point at in the last week that have been disappointing. Obviously, the ninth inning yesterday. You have the cut off on a run that probably gets thrown out of the plate by Lane Thomas and people are just going all over him on Twitter and I get it I get the frustration with those sort of plays but how many errors would CJ Abrams have right now if literally any other first baseman were over there if Josh Bell were still with this team CJ Abrams would probably have double the amount of errors over at shortstop he saved a lot of runs defensively and then offensively, I know people are getting on him because they expect the first baseman to be like the guy you see in New York and Pete Alonzo and hit 40, 50 bombs every year. That's not who Dom Smith is, like you said. You'd like to see him hit for power, but that's not who he is. And so far this season, and I wonder if this isn't almost a product of where modern baseball is, if he would have been the perfect player a decade ago, he's third in terms of batting average of qualified hitters on the Nationals right now with 283. And I think the good part about how he plays the game, you could almost see it with Luis Garcia's approach in his six-hit game. They're going to pitch me away. They're shifting on me a little bit. I'll just send it into left field. Dominic Smith has had that approach all season long, and I think that's a good thing to have with some of these younger hitters is, look, I'm going to go up there and find a way to get on base, whether it's drawing a walk, even if it's just a single. You'd like to see more damage done out of the first base position. I do get that. But at the same point, this guy's coming up to the plate. He's batting 283. It's not like he's striking out all the time. He's at least moving on to the next guy in the lineup, giving your team a chance. And then on top of that, what he's done defensively has been phenomenal for this baseball team. 
So I get the frustration that he's not the first baseman that you envision hitting 30, 40 bombs. But at the same point, what he has given you this season has been more than enough. And I've been pretty happy with what he's given this baseball team. I think the frustration that he's garnered from Nat's Twitter is just kind of unwarranted at this point. Yeah, I mean, he is, uh, you know, in his 2021 season, he hit, I think that was the year where he had several home runs. I think he hit like 11 home runs or whatever. He didn't hit a home run after July 23rd. So really, if you go back to 2021, okay, he didn't homer for the final couple months of the season. Then last year, he was not hitting home runs. I mean, it's just not part of his game. He hit for very little power in his last year and a half with the Mets. In fact, I'd make the case he's never hit for power. But last year, he didn't hit a single home run, 58 games. This year, he's got one in 50 games. I didn't do the math on how many games back to July 23rd, but roughly, let's say, another 40 games. So, like, he's got two homers in his last, like, 145 games or whatever. For people that are mad that he's not providing power, that was not the plan here. And if it was, they got the wrong guy. The plan to me was, let's make sure that our infield defense improves massively this year because we've got this neophyte shortstop and this second baseman who's been a disaster defensively. And guess what's happened? To your point, he saved C.J. Abrams a million errors, and Luis Garcia has improved tremendously at second. And because Jamer Candelario, who people were ready to run out of town a few weeks ago before he went on, you know, a 20 for 30 terror, whatever the hell it was, uh, he's been so good at third, your pitching has benefited. Your staff is overachieving. Your young arms that everybody uh, cares about are immense beneficiaries from that. So there is absolutely value here. My, my point is not to do some like pom-poms defense of every national. That, that's not my point. If I'm building a championship team, Dom Smith's not my starting first baseman. Like he is a very limited offensive player. That, that goes without saying. Frankly, the fact that he's hitting 280 is kind of uh, fool's gold. It, it has not been a good offensive year, uh, but he gets on base. He draws some walks. He gets on base at a 370 clip. Like, there is value in that. So the 691 OPS, uh, which is probably not far. I'd have to look it up, but right around league average. Uh, you know, would, would you like that to be closer to where his career number is of 725? Sure. But you're right. It, it has been ridiculous how people – I think people just decided at some point that they didn't like this move or they can't deal with a first baseman who doesn't hit home runs. And I get the annoyance. My point is just – don't be mad at the left tackle who can't play. Be mad at the team that chose the left tackle. Like yeah. If you're angry about Dom Smith, hate the game, not the player, I, I guess is my larger point. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, and um, this just goes back to our conversation we had with the bullpen. Remember what this baseball team is. This is a credit to the Nationals, honestly, at this point, for how they've played that we're having these discussions. Because if this team were having a record with half the amount of wins that they have right now, no one would care and everyone would just be frustrated with everyone. Credit to the Nationals for being in every ballgame. We talked about the bullpen usage. They're in every game, so it's not like they can use their A relievers every game because they're close in these things. And Dom Smith, you get frustrated at him because you're in one- and two-run ball games, and you'd like to see him hit home runs. But just remember who this guy is. This baseball team's not going to be in the playoffs, and he's not batting third and fourth. He's batting in the bottom third of the order. So to expect a guy that's batting six or seven almost every night 
to be hitting 30 and 40 bombs. I get where you want it, but that's not who he is. They brought him over for his defense. He's fulfilled that. I think some of his hits have, you know, been 52 hits on the year, only five extra base hits. You'd like to see more power, like to see more of him driving the baseball. I get all that, but he's kind of given them exactly what they want. And I think the underrated part of this is the fact that he's a professional hitter. And I watched some batting practice during the San Diego, San Diego series, and he was just hitting balls the other way the entire time. And I think you can start seeing some of that with some of the younger hitters that he comes up with a professional approach. If he can kind of pass that off to some of the younger guys, maybe we'll never be able to quantify that and actually measure it. But I think he's helping out some of the younger guys to have a better approach at the plate as well. So I think overall the hate that he's gotten is just a little bit over the top and unwarranted. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, on the bullpen, just to put a bow on that, in looking it up, like w- what they need is is options that are doing their job beyond just two or three guys. Here's the problem is they just don't have a lot of wiggle room right now in terms of um, if, if they want to keep Chad Cool at the major league level and they think there's value in that as maybe a multi-inning guy or, or what have you, you're looking at like Andres Machado. You could You could move on from. I don't think you have anybody to call up that's better than him. Erasmo Ramirez, who was your org pitcher of the year last year. Now, frankly, I'm good there. I've seen plenty of what I need to see uh, from Erasmo. who's given up six runs in his last inning of baseball and seven hits. Having said that, um, you know, I know he's 33 and, and had a great year last year. He's been valuable to them. Maybe they give him a little bit of a longer leash. But as I said, like Ward is a rule five guy, so he's not going anywhere. So there's just not many guys you're, you're going to, uh, send down, so to speak, unless you throw like a Raspo, let's say, on the injured list and try to get him right, and you can call someone up. But in looking at it, if you look at their AAA bullpen right now, almost every pitcher they have that they could call up walks too many batters. You know, Alberto Baldonado has been pretty good. He's got an ERA in the twos in 24 games, striking out a batter per inning, 226 average against. Uh, we've seen him in the majors. I would say call him up. He could help you. He's walking 12 per, you know, uh, in 25 innings. Like, basically a four and a half per nine walk rate, which is high. Jose Ferrer pitched in the futures game last year. Best prospect of any of the arms in AAA uh, in their bullpen. 26 innings, 19 strikeouts, 16 walks, 288 average against it. He's not throwing that well. Gerson Moreno is a guy, I think 19 games in has the, maybe the best numbers in terms of 21 innings, just 11 hits, a 155 average against 25 strikeouts and 21 innings is pretty dominant, but he's walked 15. Now, if you're walking that many guys in AAA when big leaguers are spitting on pitches and the strike zone's a little bit tighter and you got the nerves and anxiety of being in the majors and facing guys who you watch on TV every night, are, are you going to walk more? I mean, so it's not like there's like a strike thrower who's dominating. Jordan Weems, they could call up, has given up just 12 hits in 21 innings, has 23 strikeouts, 169 average against, uh, 11 walks. Maybe he's the answer. And we've seen him in the big leagues three or four times at different points. He's never really kind of dominated or become a guy for them, but maybe he's worthy of a shot. Uh, their former fourth-round pick, Matt Cronin, in AAA this year, in 14 innings, has walked 14 batters. Uh, that, that doesn't work. You know, Luis Reyes, in 19 innings, has 19 walks, a 270 average against. Uh, Jose Mejica, I'm really interested in, because he's only got three walks, and he's striking out a batter per inning in 15 innings, but he's given up 10 runs. You know, his ERA is 5.87, and his average against is 292. Um, so it's not like they've got guys sitting down there who are just ready to roll. Like just to give you a comp Machado who's in the big leagues and is, 
you know, hit or miss at the major league level, but does some decent things. When he was in the minors, 16 strikeouts and 12 innings with just three walks, like better numbers than almost anyone I just talked about. Hey, Truman, how are you? Do you want to say hi to everybody? Daddy's on the radio. Do you want to say hi to Toby? All right, say hi. Say go Nats. Hi. Say go Nats. Go Nats. All right, go Nats. Daddy's going to keep doing his show now, okay? Uh, yeah, you could say hi too. My daughter wants to say go Nats. Go Nats. You want to say hi to Screech? Yeah. <laughs> hi, Screech. We love Screech. Screech listens to the podcast. Uh, Toby, those are uh, my kids. They wanted to say hi to Screech. I get it. I get it. I want to uh, say hi to Screech. But anyway, back to the bullpen. You get what I'm talking about. I mean, there aren't like options they can call up. Yeah, I mean, right now, this bullpen, I get the frustration because you don't want to lose ball games. But I, I think this goes back to how good this Nationals team has been compared to expectations. Honestly, going into the year, my thought process was going to be, if you're in a ball game, I need Davey to manage it like this team is a 95-win baseball team. I need him to throw the A-arms. I need him to lock it in. But that's not been the case this year because the Nationals have been in just about every ball game every single night, so they have to use the A-arms in situations where they're ahead or they're down by just a single run. That's a good point as well. Like They're also in way more close games than is ideal, too. I yeah. mean, the only, the only other thing that could, I would say, if you want to put something on Davey, I mean, yes, his, his bullpen usage generally is, is frustrating, but I, I think it, there's a lot of reasons for it as we're talking about. Maybe you got to let starters go a little deeper. You know, a, you need the starters to be better. But when Josiah Gray's at 88 pitches through five innings or whatever, you need to let him go throw the sixth, even if he's worked hard that night. Well, you know, and he, to Trevor your point. Williams is an example. He's thrown six innings at 94 pitches. Sorry about it, Trevor. Like, we're going to run you into the ground here. Yeah. We'll give you 108 pitches tonight, but you got to go throw a seventh. Just, just to save an inning here and there because there's not enough good arms to give you those innings. Yeah, to your point, I mean, there was frustration. I believe it was Friday night, the game that Corbin started, that he came out after only throwing like 89 or 90 pitches and pitched the seventh inning. Why? I know it's a 9-3 lead. Patrick Corbin should be going out there if he hasn't thrown 105 pitches yet. Patrick Corbin should, especially as a veteran, should be going out there and trying to give you seven every time. And now that we've seen it from McKenzie, maybe you don't have that same expectation of seven every time, but can you at least give me six? Same thing with Josiah Gray. That's why it's important for the starting pitchers to give you length. And over the last week or so, they've kind of struggled a little bit with that. And now you're kind of seeing uh, Gore take a step forward and pitch a little deeper into the game. And That's I think, important. You know, to your point, there's probably someone listening going, well, look, you don't want Patrick Corbin facing the lineup a third time and the numbers say this and you're managing this game still like you're trying to win 95 games. You see what I'm saying? 100%. It's a different thing now. Like, yes, strategically, get Patrick Corbin out as soon as possible if you're the Tampa Bay Rays. They're not. Like, this is now a different game that we're playing. And I'm just not sure if everyone's calibrated that correctly. Yeah, I think you're dead on right there. I mean, if, if Davey were trying to win the World Series again, you're probably right. 89 pitches through six innings. You're still in the ball game. Only gave up three runs from Corbin. Yeah, go ahead and pull him. That's not where you're at. You need to save your bullpen because, let's be honest, we just went through it, and you're trying to win ball games. That's still the goal, no matter what, whether it's a 50-win ball club or a 100-win ball club. I get all that. But you only have three, maybe four reliable options, and as much as people dislike Patrick Corbin, who would you rather see for the seventh inning there? Patrick Corbin 
going from 90 to 105 pitches or Andres Machado or Thaddeus Ward. I'll take my chances with Corbin. 